spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 80th annual subliminal deception podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit my name is cody i'm joined by my pal phil how are you doing good buddy how about yourself not doing too bad it's been a busy week we've gotten subliminal deception now is officially on youtube if you prefer that otherwise i want to thank all of our patrons who have joined up i have now reconfigured it so all four of our documentary watch-alongs now have the video included. So it's already, already to watch. For only $2, you can watch them all. And I'm telling you, it's great comedic value. I promise you that. I've uh, I've actually watched. Yeah, they're pretty fucking good. I like them. They're a little spicy. I, w- <laughs> I was going to say, I'd recommend starting off with Confessions of a Time Traveler. That That's a good one. Definitely. All right, Phil. Now, what do you have for us in the news this week? So there was actually a story. This one's going to be pretty old by the time that this episode airs. So Joe Montana was with his wife, and they were actually watching their grandchild. This was last week. And apparently there was an intruder in their house. The intruder kidnapped the child and basically just walking to another room, apparently... His wife and he actually had to like physically take the baby away from this intruder. They were trying to talk her down. Then the wife apparently ran in and tried to grab the baby. Uh, The woman actually ended up fleeing the home. Luckily, there was some police close by and they caught the woman who was trying to abduct this child. Uh, Apparently, she's being charged with breaking and entering, kidnapping, all of that. I I had seen this news report as well. I had heard that Joe's wife had managed to get the baby out of her hands or whatever, but man, what a fucking wild story. Did she give like a motive or anything or like, do we know why she did it? I have no idea. Uh, From what I've read, it was just a deranged woman who was, when they confronted her, she was just like rocking the baby in her arms. I have no idea. I don't even know if she knew it was Joe Montana's home. If that's the reason why she was there, because when I first thought of it, it was like, oh, it's some crazy people trying to get a ransom out of Joe Montana. Well, get his money. But apparently it's just some crazed woman. I've OK. I, I mean, clearly she's mentally ill. I mean, yeah. is there any doubt in that? But uh, I, I don't know. I've heard of this before. Like, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's maybe a part of postpartum depression if they lost their child or something, they're trying to get another child or whatever. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, it was weird. Well, so when I first heard this story, I heard it that it was Joe Montana who had actually confronted the the kidnapper. Uh, that I, I heard this before it was like released that it was a woman who was abducting the child. 
And then once I heard that it was released that a woman was abducting a child, I didn't again hear that Joe Montana actually attacked the woman or tried to get the baby away. I heard it was like the wife was trying to get the baby away or wrestle the baby away. So I wonder if maybe the media was like changing the story a little bit because any kind of action taken against this female kidnapper would have looked bad for him. Uh, I mean, we don't want anybody to hit anybody else. I mean, to be honest, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I don't know. I heard instantly that it was Joe's wife that did it. Maybe she was able to relate more with the woman than Joe would be able to. I don't know. Well, I heard that it was just her wrestling the baby away from the woman, but it might just be the difference in news companies that were reporting on this story. That might be it. But it's just weird how the story changed. It seemed like from like right away when I heard the story to I think it was a few days after. It's funny because I remember I heard on the news basically that they had distracted the woman somehow. And then it seemed like Joe's wife went and got it. That's kind of what I had heard. But who really knows? Either way, the woman's in custody. The baby's unharmed. And I guess everything's safe as far as we know. (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, it is a very good thing that the baby like the baby's fine. The woman's in custody and it's all taken out. Well, uh, this is breaking news for us as well, but not really, I guess, people who listen to this (laughs) a week from now. But Trump obviously has contracted coronavirus. And now what I just saw like a few seconds ago is they're shipping him to a hospital. So I don't know if that means it's really serious. He is 74, I think. Yeah, so. Actually, at the time of recording this, I hadn't seen yet that he was being shipped to a hospital, but you actually informed me of of it right as we were about to start recording. I believe they think he caught it from one of his advisors, uh, Hope Hicks. Hmm. Who the hell is that? It's it's one of the White House advisor people. I'm not exactly sure. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know who got, obviously, you know what the conspiracy world's going to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that and there's all of the anti-mask stuff that he was involved with and telling people at his rallies that they shouldn't wear masks and telling reporters to take off their masks because he can't hear them. And then now it comes around that he has coronavirus. So he has it. And Herman Cain, who is at his rally, is now dead. Yeah. Herman Cain died from it. Yeah, let's just let's just try to get get every, just everybody just wear the masks so we can get over this, please. God damn. Like if, you, yeah. if we can just make it subside, then we can get over it. Yeah, then we can all go back to the bars and the restaurants and lead our normal lives. Before, <laughs> before before you called, I was watching this Daily Show thing. This guy was trying to make it look like a fucking space helmet, which is supposed to allow people to go to concerts and stuff. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, the, you know, everyone's like, God, that thing looks stupid as shit, because it did, honestly. And then it comes to find out that it doesn't actually have any, like, certified safety things on it. <laughs> so it's like, you couldn't wear this anyway. Just wear one of those big body condoms from the Lethal Weapons movie. Hell yeah. It's all you need. <laughs> well, That's it. Well, uh, speaking of Joe Montana, Phil, it seems like that might be a perfect transition into this week's episode. Yes, possibly. So I kind of, uh, you know, we've been hitting the uh, the the bigger conspiracies, the more popular ones, the the hard hitters. 
So I kind of wanted to settle in. It is football season after all. And I wanted to get into a football based conspiracy for us for this week. Hell yeah. It's timely. And you know what? To be honest, I feel like our listeners, I've always, I don't know what you've gotten, but I've always gotten compliments that they learn something. Okay. They like that aspect of it. They're learning something. So it doesn't really matter what the topic is. And I'm guessing today, a lot of people, including myself, are going to learn a lot of stuff about the football world and its conspiracies. Yep. So, I mean, I really wanted to do a fun one today. As we know, um, me and you know, there is a lot of superstition and fear of curses in the sports world. And I just wanted to hit on one that maybe not a ton of people know about. It is very, it's a famous one, but you kind of have to be in the in the world of it to really know it. So, I mean, when you name curses, conspiracy in the, in the sports world, I mean, there's some big ones. There's the curse of the Bambino. Oh, you know. can I tell you about a timely curse that's going on right now or just happened? Oh, what's that? Uh, the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> I thought so. 18 straight playoff losses. Okay, yeah. in baseball, keep in mind, everyone, in baseball, you play like the best of three, best of five, whatever. That is not winning a single one of those games. And they continued that record this week by getting swept by a team with a losing record. Yes. The uh, the Minnesota Twins played so poorly that the Astros didn't even need to cheat to that, beat them. I know. I, Dude, have you ever watched the videos of them catching them cheating? Yes, I have. It's I've seen quite up. a few of those compilations. It's fucked up. <laughs> anyway, continue on, Phil. So... I'm going to start with a he's kind of a character in the college, in the uh, pro football world. Have you ever heard of a man by the name of John Madden? I often think that him and my grandpa on my on my mom's side look very similar. Yes, actually I remember what he looked like and they did kind <laughs> yeah. of look similar. So John Madden of the movie Little Giants fame was born on the 10th of April 1936 in the spam crazed city of Austin, Minnesota. Yeah, they love that spam over there. Definitely. So the family actually would eventually move to a much uh, sunnier climate on the West Coast in a small San Francisco suburb called Daly City, California, which is located in the Bay Area. Now in Daly City, a young John Madden would attend Catholic school at Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, isn't that nice? So John and us have a lot in common. That is true. We both got subpar educations from a bunch of crazy religious fanatics. You know, yep. you know what's timely about this as well, Phil, is so on Bumba Podcast, I'm working on my episodes for the future. Actually, the episode will drop like two days after this comes out. But it is involving a Catholic priest, right? So I've been diving headfirst into the Catholic rhetoric lately. So I'm I'm well prepared for this. Ouch. Hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully he didn't leave too many scarred children behind him. You know what? Uh, it's funny. I learned something that apparently there was a covert war going on between the Protestants and the Catholics. I wasn't aware of this. Was this in the like the 1500s or? Uh, be 18, late 1800s. Oh, it was all about that cheddar. They wanted the money coming in. <laughs> there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough uh, 
money flowing out of the pockets for all the churches in those towns. The sad, Back when the towns had like five churches each. The sad thing is, is after like reading all of that stuff, you're basically like, this is why the Catholics have such a foothold in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. So. They all have their little areas of influence that they, they kind of have. I'm a little shocked they allowed Catholics in California, though. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Catholics ended up moving to the Midwest because it was empty. Mm. And they could go there without getting the shit kicked out of them by the by the Protestants and the people who had already been there when they immigrated here from, you know, Ireland, Italy, wherever. Okay, final question. Do we even know who the hell Our Lady Perpetual Help is? I don't know. It mm. might be one of those fucking, uh, those church ladies that you used to see on TV. I just say a barista from Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're always very helpful. <laughs> so in Daly City, Madden would meet and befriend John Robinson, a future fellow college and NFL coach with 10 years at the University of Southern California and with the Los Angeles Rams. Now, speaking of the pair's friendships, Robinson said in an interview with Sports Illustrated in October 26, 1987 issue, uh, this is in an article written by Kenny Moore, that the friends would dream at an early age of playing for the Yankees in the summer and the 49ers in the fall. So they had pretty big aspirations even way back then. Okay. I mean, John Madden has the body type to play for the Yankees at the time, but the 49ers, uh, maybe... Yeah, I don't think, I think he was about at the age of 9 or 10, so I don't think he was quite as rotund as he would be, like, in later years. <laughs> this was when you could be fat in baseball, but football was kind of, I mean, you could smoke and drink, but you couldn't necessarily be out of shape. Yeah, well, I mean, some of those old videos of baseball players, you'd see some fat guy on the sidelines, you know, eating a fucking hot dog, drinking a beer, then he'd go out to the fucking plate and crack a home run out of the park so i think it's the only sport where you can still be kind of chunky outside of like maybe sumo wrestling or something golf Golf, you can definitely still be i mean it is better for you to be in shape kind of like the whole tiger woods you know like he revolutionized an actual athlete being a golfer but you know taking it away from superstars like john daly do we, do we, can we put bars, softball leagues under that category? Because there's a lot of chunky, chunky big boys in that. Oh, yeah. I believe they're referred to as beer leagues. Ah, beer and leagues. They're a staple. A staple. <laughs> so the hours of conversations between the two friends about game planning and their favorite players on the 49ers eventually led to the idea that instead of entering the field of play for those teams, perhaps they would enter the field of coaching. Now, in the article, Kenny Moore also surmises that the two friends were both pretty bad stutterers at the time, and that this is where John Madden's use of wild hand gestures and rambling statements that he became very famous for during his announcing days may have come from okay very interesting you know i'm i'm kind of in the same camp as john here for myself yeah. personally i use a lot of hand gestures like literally when i'm recording a podcast i'm using hand gestures and nobody can see them oh yeah well I, yeah me too whenever i talk to people i'm very animated but i'm usually just trying to i came from a big family so i if you wanted to get your story across you had to be you, you know to center use everything 
especially when you're a middle child, it's, often uh, forgotten at Walmarts and such. Okay, so this is kind of the evolution of John Madden. He ne- wasn't necessarily athletic enough to be a player, obviously. So he just like, hey, I can be a coach. And he obviously we know he is a. I don't know. If, I don't know. I'd lo- I love to hear people's opinion if they think he is a better coach or if he's a better broadcaster. Uh, well, he actually did play, so I'm going to get into it in a tidy oh, bit. Oh, okay. He played in high school. He played in college. Um, he did pretty well. He had a nagging injury in college that kind of kept him down a little bit and later on hurt him. But yeah, he really, it was what him, what him and his friend John would do is they would break into the 49ers practice camp just across the bay. Okay. And they would kind of like learn all they could about the, the players like try to figure out like what game plan they would put on, what kind of plays they would run, that kind of stuff. And that's what's got them into coaching. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. I, was so, his nagging injury, he had too big of a head? It also could have been <laughs> something to do with eating a few too many. <laughs> a few too no, many beers in, and in, sausages. He was in pretty good shape in his high school and college days. Like okay. you see them, you see him and his buddies back then. And they were kind of, he was a two sport athlete. He was the catcher and he played linebacker that, you know, he was a, he was like in high school, he was like a big chested dude, like kind of like the football players you imagine from back then. Mm, mm, okay. The beer drinking football yeah. players. So I also just wanted to ask you really quick. On the cover, I looked up this, uh, the Sports Illustrated actually downloaded the entire issue, that entire magazine. And on the cover, it featured Dan Gladden stating that he was the hero of World Series game one. Now, can you guess, uh, for which team in 1987? Ah, uh, this is the Twins. Yep. Minnesota yeah. Twins, the Kirby Puckett era. There was like a 10 page spread in that magazine. The, uh, okay. Did they, did they win in 87? I believe they did. I okay. think so. This was actually the magazine came out during the World Series, so I would have to look it up, but I believe they did. I, I know they won two. Maybe it's eighty seven and ninety one or eighty seven and eighty nine, one of the two. Somewhere in the, the last time a team was relevant in Minnesota. Yeah, I picked through the article a little bit. It might as well have been called Kirby Puckett and Friends. <laughs> but yeah, it was He's uh, they were very they were very good at that time. He he's a he was a beloved figure. He's the last big boy baseball player. He had a tragic ending, unfortunately. Definitely, yeah. We always uh, yeah. Well, we grew up in North Iowa, so uh, the whole fucking Kirby Puckett, you know, everyone was still talking about him into the nineties. Hell yeah. So Madden would then attend high school at Jefferson High School, which was in Daly City. Graduated in nineteen fifty four later attending college at San Mateo College. Shortly after, he would gain some scholarships and end up meeting his buddy from his old school and go to the University of Oregon, but would end up having to transfer out due to a knee injury. This would actually send him down to California Polytechnical State University, where he would play football and baseball eventually graduating with a bachelor's in 1959 and a master's in 1961. Wow, I did not know John Madden was so accomplished. That is impressive. Definitely. Uh, Both the bachelor's and the master's degree are in education. Really? Well, I guess that would speak to his coaching skill. Oh, yeah. And he actually credits his education in education as 
you know, kind of giving him the ability to teach players, his coaching staff, all of that too. So I bet that, le- you know what? I, I bet that helped him in his broadcasting career as well. I don't know about that. I think just being an outlandish figure. Oh, you mean like learning about the players and that kind of well, stuff? Yeah, probably. Well, like how he, he's able to talk and decipher the plays and all of this stuff. I bet that all goes into like teaching the audience what's going on on the field. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Definitely thinking on his feet, like mm-hmm. rolling with the punches. I wonder if they had a class in using that little teleprompter that he used to draw on all of his crazy <laughs> little plays and shit. But that is just like a chalkboard. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing so. <laughs> So in 1958, the year before he graduated that bachelor's, Madden would be drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, 1958, he was actually drafted number three. The problem was he was drafted third in the 21st round with the overall pick of 244. Okay, yeah, not not the greatest selection here, you know. I've watched some of the old like NFL documentary docu series, whatever. Basically, they'd get past like the seventh round and they just they'd ask anybody be like, who do you want to draft? And they just like, oh, take this guy. Like they didn't weren't even paying attention. They're just like, okay, we'll just take this guy. We'll take a flyer on this kid out of fucking San Jose State. I hear he's tall. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of like baseball back in those days, too, is the same way. I hear you're talking about crime and sport, crime and sports. They talk about the old baseball drafts. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, we'll take a flyer on this guy. We heard he's a good swimmer. Yeah, like, uh, I could just envision this one. Someone was in the office is like, I, I heard John Madden likes the same uh, type of kielbasa sausage I do, so we should probably draft him. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it is kind of funny because I looked at the entire I – I was just picking through it really quick, but as I was scrolling down that entire draft, so there was only 12, pick, 12 teams – in the league at that time, which is why there were so many rounds. But it's funny because they highlighted in yellow for if they were ever an all-star, like in the Pro Bowl, or they highlighted in green if they're a Hall of Famer. And after like the seventh or eighth round, there's almost no yellows or greens until you get to John Madden, who obviously is in the Hall of Fame yeah. for double Hall of Fame, I think now. But the uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that makes sense. I mean this was before, obviously, the NFL-AFC merger. Was it AF- NFL and AFL merger? Yes. Is that what it was? Yep. Yeah, AFL-NFL yeah. merger. Before okay. they came together, they uh, they did have a few Super Bowls before that. But yeah, they came together, made it the AFC-NFC that we mm. have today. Okay. So sadly, though, John Madden would suffer a knee injury. This was in the other, Actually, this was in the other knee that was injured in college. Uh, this happened during his first training camp, and he would never play a professional game. Okay, that's too bad, but that does happen. Definitely. So Madden would actually start his coaching career soon after. He was eventually hired by Al Davis and the Oakland Raiders in 1967. Now, this was as linebacker coach. He was poached away from uh, the college team that he was head coaching for at the time, the San Diego State University Aztecs. So he he was coaching college, and then Al Davis was like, "Hey, come coach my linebackers." Definitely. Well, I mean, that's a that's a step up. You're going from a at the time a no name in the country university to linebacker coach on a professional team. That's a definite step up. 
it probably makes sense why at the height of Madden's coaching career, most of the linebackers had a felony record. <laughs> that's I think not they, even, uh, like we're joking, but that's kind of true. It's very true. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Raiders during this era were very much, they were having fun. They were doing it. I mean, they were football players second pretty much to their, you know, off the field antics. <laughs> uh, we got, we better shout out uh, number one Raiders fan, Bianca as well. <laughs> so Madden would become head coach in 1969. This was after the previous head coach had went to take a job with the Buffalo Bills. He actually became the head coach at the age of 32, making him eighth youngest head coach all time in pro football history. And he's actually behind the current youngest, Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams. He actually became head coach at the age of 30. So he is officially the youngest head coach in football history, huh? Sean McVay? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really? That dude, like, I don't, he's kind of hard. I don't know if he's, I don't know. I like him, but I don't know if he's long-term head coach, but he has like that photogenic memory. Have you ever heard him recall plays he called like from <laughs> four years ago? Is it is it photogenic or photographic? One of the two. I don't know. <laughs> his, his memory takes really good pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, I, I think it's good. He really shook up that organization. It is crazy because he was actually born a year after we were. He was born in 86. Ooh. So I couldn't imagine being head coach when I was 30 years old. I mean, maybe if the car, maybe if we would have snuck into 49ers practices, we would be here too. That's true. Who knows? <laughs> John Madden actually became head coach of the Oakland Raiders the year after their Super Bowl II appearance. Uh, so he really did inherit a really good team, very powerful. He actually had that powerful team for the entire tenure of his Raiders coaching career. Now, Madden would actually achieve a 76% regular season winning percentage and a 56% win rate in the playoffs, which is fucking outstanding. Yeah. When you look to see like what normal coaches get, even Bill Belichick would love to have that kind of record. They were kind of considered the team after the Cowboys who really were perceived as not being able to win the big one. They would always have a really good record leading up to the playoffs, but after one or maybe two wins, they would always get knocked out. Yeah. They would finally win the Super Bowl in 1976 against your Purple yeah. People leaders at Super Bowl 11. Yeah, I I remember that. Well, I mean, I don't remember, but I I'm well aware of this. You know, the when Madden was coach, I think he would have won more Super Bowls if it wasn't for the fucking Steelers who were dominating during that time. And even though the Vikings didn't win one, they were dominating at the time as well. Yes, it was uh, the Iron Curtain. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steel Curtain. Was it the Steel? Oh, the Steel Curtain. Yeah, yes. the Iron Curtain's communism. The Steel Curtain. <laughs> My <laughs> I, history shit's fucking I mean, then maybe the Steel Curtain's a little communist. Who knows? Yeah, definitely back then. Who was their head coach? Or no, their 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 head quarterback, their starting quarterback was Terry uh, Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, that's it. Yeah. yeah. The uh he I can tell you he was if you look back, he's not that good. It was the uh defense that carried him. Yeah, definitely. Having to, especially having to play in that city. <laughs> I know. I feel bad for Franco Harris, the Italian man having to be in that city. Yeah, Jesus just wanted to get the fuck out of there every <laughs> night. 
So the very next season, the Oakland Raiders would actually miss the playoffs. And this team did not miss the playoffs pretty much his entire tenure as head coach. Madden would actually retire due to health reasons and fatigue, even though he was still a very young man. This would actually start his legendary career as a announcer and color commentator. This would happen between the years of 1979 through 2008. Damn, that is a long career. Yeah, it is a crazy long career. I did not realize I wasn't a huge football fan back then, right after high school. So I didn't realize that he was actually still commentating till that time. Yeah, yeah, he was the he was the he was the boss, man. He was the best. Yeah. Oh yeah, I used to love watching that shit. It was great. His crazy fucking when he would do that, like I was talking about before, when he would do the the X's and O's, the X's and O's, yeah. and draw draw all the crazy shit on the fucking <laughs> uh, the screen. That was great. So during this time, the sport of American football would expand immensely, becoming the billion dollar a year business that we know today. At the same time. The revolution of video gaming was in its infancy, and the thirst for new games and better technology was about to skyrocket. Now, the game of football, or Football Atari, came out and was extremely popular for the arcade and the Atari 2600. Now, this was very innovative for its time. It was really kind of called the first ever real sports simulator. Uh, It also used the vertical scrolling for the game, uh, this was the first time that vertical scrolling was used for anything other than racing games. So I'm guessing you saw this on that, what the hell is the documentary called? Game. Yes, I did. Is it game over or whatever? <sighs> I couldn't even imagine attempting to play that fucking game on the Atari. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, with the games that we have now, you can't imagine that. But back then, that had to be the most incredible if you loved football and love video games that would have to be the most incredible marriage you've ever seen of oh absolutely actually playing football on a video game system absolutely oof but it looking back now it just looks terrible yeah definitely on that show when they, i'm gonna talk about it in a second but tech mobile ah, really brought back some yeah. memories for me all the fist fights between me and my brothers and just <laughs> <laughs> so for nintendo A game called Ten Yard Fight came out in 1983 for the arcade in Japan, and in the United States, it actually came out for Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, the view actually came from directly above the play, and though the game did not allow the players to call plays or control multiple players, the game did actually show real football formations and actually had kind of more of an arcade style for the game rather than like the crazy kind of run around game, uh, which was the football Atari game. Right, right. So this is very innovative. Yes. So for the arcade game, you were really only able to do kind of like one drive at a time, and then it would start you on a whole new game. But for this game, it was more of you got to play the entire game. Oh, really? Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it kind of expanded it into like a real football game. Gotcha. Okay. So this is more... This looks more like the traditional, like if you were to play Madden today, I mean, obviously it's not that advanced, but the top down view would be how you were playing this game, right? Well, yeah. It, so the view was directly from above the field. So it was like a flat surface that you were looking at, but you were actually looking at players. It wasn't just your player and a couple more players against maybe four players. 
Gotcha. Okay. Running around. So gotcha. it was actually a real football game. I've actually never heard of this game. Ten yard fight. Yeah, yeah I, I do believe I've seen it on kind of like some of those old. If you ever look at like hundred greatest whatever games, I think I have seen this one for NS, NES lists. Hmm. But that's about it. I never, we never, I never played it when I was a kid. So it, it, I mean, the title sounds very much like a Japanese. The Japanese people don't fully understand football. You just call yeah, it a ten it yard was, fight. It it definitely was a Japanese game. Yeah. <laughs> so you're lucky. I mean, honestly, you're kind of lucky if it even resembles football at all at that point. <laughs> but so in 1987, like I mentioned before, Tecmo Bowl came out, and now this came out in the arcade originally as a two screen box. This allowed for up to four players to play. But for consoles, it actually had three modes. Now it had one player, two player, and coach mode. Uh, this was only for two players, obviously, just like we remember it for the NES. Now the game allowed for players to have the option of four different plays on offense and on defense. And it also revolutionized the way you saw the game being played as it used the side-scrolling view really for the feeling of you actually moving down the field and playing the game. Right. So the game also featured kind of like it didn't have, they didn't have the licensing for the real NFL teams. It featured parodied teams, but it did have real players from the NFL players association who lent their names to the tech mobile team to make this game. But even in the parody team, they could have the Minnesota Vikings. Oh yeah, no, it was <laughs> Minnesota, but they weren't called the Vikings. No, no, was, I mean, I mean, the team's such a joke; they could have them on there anyway. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they might as well have been the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I don't know. Were they good in the eighties? I don't think so. No, it, it was uh, all yeah. about the Bears then. Um, but uh, what I remember about this game is I I would always pick Marshall Falk. You remember him? Yes. Yeah. I God, do. he was a beast in that game. Yeah, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the players. Oh, yeah. uh, so even though the NFL didn't allow Tecmol to use real teams, uh, like I said, they were allowed to use real cities. They actually only used the best and most popular teams that existed at the time. And they were Indianapolis, Miami, Cleveland, Denver, Seattle, the Los Angeles Raiders, Washington, San Francisco, Dallas, New York, Chicago, and Minnesota. So Minnesota did make the cut of teams that got in. Do you, have you noticed every single other one here's a uh, city name except for <laughs> Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. Well, you got oh. all the cities within the states, and then you just got Minnesota. I guess New yeah. York and Washington, kind of. But well, I mean New York, yeah. But everyone knows it's New York City. It's the city, you know, mm -hmm. New York Giants. I'm Actually, Washington's a district. It's not really a city. So there you go. I'm trying to think what who what player they would have took at this time. Uh I don't and put on the Minnesota team as far as star players go. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> they just have some fat fan <laughs> from from the crowd come down and play for them. <laughs> Probably. At least they don't have Green Bay on here. That's all I care about. That is true. Nowadays they would definitely they would definitely have Green Bay. Dallas. Oh yeah. Oh it would yeah. Be, you know what teams they'd, they'd pick. The ones who want to be considered like America's teams. Mm-hmm. Kansas City's not on the list either. I just noticed that. Uh, yeah. Well, they probably were shitty back then. That is true. 
So with this game, Tecmo Bowl actually had kind of like different looks for the players and slightly different skill sets. This was the first time that not all of the players just looked like generic kind of like white dudes wearing jerseys. Mm. So, of course, when you talk about Tecmo Bowl, you also have to mention who the fastest player on the offense was for any team, which, of course, was Bo Jackson of the Los Angeles team. So back then, it was pretty well known that if you chose L.A. for Tecmo Bowl, you were cheating. Really? Yeah. Just because it had Bo Jackson. Oh, no, on the game, he was the fastest player. I mean, if only they knew the trajectory of Bo Jackson <laughs> a few years after that, but yes. This this was pre him tearing his leg apart and then getting his, I think it was his hip infected and losing all, that he lost all the blood flow to his leg, so. Oh, that sounds nasty. Yeah, he lost the blood flow to his hip bone because he tore his leg out of the socket so bad. Ouch. God damn. Okay. Yeah. And then his 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 hip bone ended up rotting inside of his leg. So No, that that doesn't sound like a good good Sunday. No, he did have hip replacement surgery, but he never was he never came back as like the the powerhouse that he was before. But I mean, a hip replacement surgery for the time, no other person would have been able to come back from that. So Right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean Jesus, who was doing surgery on him? A fucking Civil War surgeon? What the hell is... <laughs> like, did they sterilize anything? Well, no. So what happened was he ended up breaking a blood vessel in his leg, and they didn't know that blood wasn't getting to his hip. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So nowadays, they would probably be able to find that. Though I did actually meet someone in my last apartment complex who had dislocated his hip, and the exact same thing happened to him. Really? Yeah, because I asked him when he was telling me that story, I was like, well, that's what fucking Bo Jackson had. He's like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, fuck. So he had, he actually had a hip replacement. Okay, so, about. so let's pray none of us or our fans ever have to have a hip replacement. Definitely, yeah. It sounded fucking terrible when he was telling me about <laughs> it. But. Yeah, it does sound a little terrible. So at about the same time, a football game was in development that would actually change the video game landscape forever. Now, on a train from Denver to Oakland in 1984, Trip Hopkins and Joe Yabara of Electronic Arts were trying to convince football color commentator Joe Madden to lend his name and likeness for a new type of football game that would include the realism of actual football gameplay and the ability to choose plays. Now, this was before the release of Tecmo Bowl, when they were trying to sell this video game. Yeah, yeah, three years before. Yeah. Now, this would have been an upgrade from the games at the time, which were still very much the arcade style, and only really offered play on a single drive. Now, the game would be for the Apple II, which actually was the most advanced PC of its time. Hell yeah, you used to play Oregon Trail on that bitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, fucking Catholic schools still had those bitches until like <laughs> 93. Well, come on. Let's be fair. I'm sure they still have them today. <laughs> That's true. You know, no, they're, they're not still, changing it. They're still running those fucking Power Max that they got that one year. Oh, the ones that like looked fancy because they were different colors and clear. Those were the IMAX, the, the big ass fucking IMAX. Yeah, I, I remember them pieces of shit. Yeah, we had those the last year that we were there, and 
they ran like fucking shit. But <laughs> schools got a huge discount from Apple, so that's why they all picked those up. I'm imagining they still probably have them there. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt it. They probably have them in a little fucking computer lab there. So the biggest problem about the game coming from John Madden was that each side would only be able to field seven players at a time. And Madden really didn't consider anything less than 11 players to be actual football. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in Minnesota, they do have smaller schools that play eight-man football. My cousin actually played, I think it's Chatfield, had eight-man football. Yeah. And, I've, I mean, I, it, I've heard it old Cresco's football. going down that road, too. Oh, really? Yeah, no kids. There's no kids going to school. Or no kids want to play football or whatever, so they have to uh, like shrink the teams. They're all too busy phone-fucking each other to... <laughs> get out there and play football anymore. <laughs> so the release of the game would stall until 1988, but it did have the 11 players per side that John Madden wanted. However, it did have an extremely low frame rate due to all of the expanded amount of players on the field. Even though it was very slow, the game was a great success. And after the license with Sega and resulting popularity of sports games on consoles, Madden football would continue on and evolve with the ever rapid increases of technology, becoming the game that we still love to play today, eventually changing from the name John Madden football to just Madden along with the year of the release. Right. Everybody, I think everybody knows Madden. It's just kind of the uh, mainstay game. If you want to play a football video game, you play Madden. There isn't. I don't even know if there is really another option. There are. I have seen other. Like I, I looked on today. I was doing a little bit more research. I looked on to see if there were other kind of games or any funny game names. There's actually a Doug Flutie football game that came out in 2019. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, How do you so play that, it? <laughs> oh no, it's it's 2019, so it is a modern game. It's just so crappy. No one's ever played it or heard of Would, it. No, I'm saying where can. Is it on Steam? Like, where where can we play it? Oh, I'm not exactly sure. I think it just came out for regular consoles, but I didn't exactly. I've never heard of it, and I think it was just Xbox One, PS4. No, so. knowing Doug Flutie, it probably is literally a CD-ROM that's in a box of fucking Wheaties or something. Flutie flakes. Yeah, Flutie flakes. Hell yeah. Gotta remember those. Yeah, God, dude, that dude had such a tragic life. I feel so bad for him, but. Uh, Flutie's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, he actually, he was playing in the USFL. He came out of, I believe it was Boston College, and then got a big contract with the NFL after the end of the USFL. He was a uh, CFL hero. Oh, he was CFL too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he won a couple Grey Cups. Yeah. Well, I mean, good thing for little guys, you know. (laughs) He was a good player. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, so it is, I mean, it's crazy to think that we have Madden today, and it's just associated with video games, but it was a person who announced over, a he ended his announcing career over a decade ago, and it's still called Madden Football, like Madden 21 or 2019, whatever. It's, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's a good brand, like the brand of Madden, like you just say Madden, everybody knows what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, that brand recognition is fucking out of this world Mm. for Madden. Madden football. It's just right there. I don't even think they've had his face 
or voice or anything on the game in like 10 years either. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I am going to get into that a little bit right now because the Madden franchise would feature the coaching and announcing icon on the cover all the way up until 1999 when it was decided to change the cover of the games to feature an outstanding player from the previous year. For the first two years of this, it was only for the so-called PAL PAL editions of the game, which were actually outside of the United States. So up until 2001 in the U.S., you would see Madden on the cover. Gotcha. Okay. You know, the last one, let's see. The last one I remember playing a lot, maybe even played it with me, on Nintendo 64, Madden 98. Fuck yep, you yes. Could, you could do a leg drop. You could hit him with the German suplex after the play was over. <laughs> Are you sure it's that one? I believe it was that one because I remember we would play the football game, but then it was after the play ended. That's where you ran in there and tried to hit him. Hmm. Or was that NFL Blitz? That You're was thinking of Blitz. Blitz. I'm thinking of Blitz. Madden yeah, 98. game. Madden 98, all you would do is like pick the Lions or make sure Barry Sanders was on your team and you yep. could just dominate everybody. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was, that, it was, I mean, it was an advanced game for its time, but it was still pretty simplistic compared to oh, what we have nowadays. Absolutely. Maybe I, we should fire that up after this. Yeah. That'd be, it'd be great to find it like an emulator. <laughs> I think I have my 64 and the game around here somewhere. Oh, yeah. That, I don't. I never had it. I always really played it on your house. But. Ah. So with saying that, uh, that's kind of where we're going to start our conspiracy today, discussing the curse of the Madden cover. Oh, yes. So in 1999, former University of Georgia running back Garrison Hurst had lit up the field for the 49ers in both passing and receiving yards since joining the team in 1997. And it was decided that he would become the first ever player to grace the cover of Madden for the Madden 99 installment. And just like I mentioned before, this was for releases outside of the United States. Okay, and and I'm guessing now he is a member of the LDS Church. Possibly. That was his curse. That was his curse. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea what he's up to these days, but hopefully he's just <laughs> he's hopefully he's just living it up. Still got some. Of he's his getting life. bombarded by Jehovah's Witness and LDS. They just knock at his door constantly. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> <laughs> However, during the second round of the playoffs against the Atlanta Falcons, Hurst suffered a horrific broken ankle, and after corrective surgery went wrong, would eventually lead to the bone in his foot dying. Now Hurst would miss the next two seasons rehabbing, eventually retiring shortly after in 2004. Damn, if his bone died, don't they have to amputate it? No. So your your foot has many bones in it. So it was just one one of his little bones in his foot died. Got you. Okay. Okay. Well, I imagine at that time, that's a horrific injury. Seems like a lot of even your boy Hawkinson who had his ankle on the wrong way last season. He's still playing right now, so yeah. medical technology's advanced quite a bit. Yeah, the miracle of modern medicine keeps advancing, luckily. There's a lot of injuries from back then that would be career-ending today. Or no, there's a lot of career-enders from back then that would be easily fixed or fixed with rehab today. The, L, uh, the ACL, that's a big one. 
Yeah, back in the back in the day, if you had a torn ACL, you were done for. Now they just fucking stitch that bitch back onto your bone, and you're you're good to go in a few months. From uh, from what I heard, they use a pig ligament, I believe. Really, they do that yeah. too. Yeah, for those uh, tendons. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, a lot of crazy. HGH, probably. I've heard that they just kind of stitch it back on, but okay, uh, yeah, I've never heard be. of that one. I've always heard they put like a pig tendon in there and then reattach it you're good to go yeah you know pigs are the most nimble animals in the animal kingdom phil come on yes and if you go to green (laughs) bay you'll know that they are most like human beings (laughs) right i thought you were gonna say the uh most popular animal to marry oh (laughs) yeah iowa (laughs) oh iowa yeah so the madden 2000 player was originally supposed to be barry sanders However, he retired soon after he was announced for the video game cover and would be replaced by Green Bay running back Dorsey Levens. Now, the problem with him is he would be hampered by a nagging injury and would eventually be released by the Packers in 2001, moving three times to the Philadelphia Eagles in 2002, the Giants in 2003, and the Eagles in 2004, before retiring fully in 2006 with the Packers. So he was, he he got to play with Favre. Yes, he did get to play with Favre. Yeah. Why didn't they put PP boy Favre on there? Uh, he will be on the cover eventually. Ah, down the line a okay. Bit, so. All right. So next up, drafted in 1996 by the Houston Oilers for the Madden 2001 cover, former Ohio State Heisman Trophy winner, and Tennessee Titans superstar Eddie George was chosen. This was after his team had nearly won the previous year's Super Bowl. However, after that year, he would bobble a pass in the next year's playoff game against the Ravens. This would actually lead to an interception off of his hands, and resulting touchdown would doom them and send them out of the playoffs. Now, after this, George saw his numbers fall over the next three seasons, ending his career with the Dallas Cowboys and are officially retiring in 2006. I remember this. This is one of the most famous um, uh, things in history here. The uh, the greatest show on turf beat him. Yep. When it's the reach, when the, the Tennessee Titans were on the goal line and they were reaching across the goal line and they didn't quite make it. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that propelled Kurt Warner right there. Yes, it did. Of University of Northern Iowa, Iowa fame, fame. <laughs> and uh, an Iowa grocery store fame as well. Yes, putting High V on the map. So I'm sure they have him to thank for that. Oh, absolutely. When he was playing for Arizona, they would mention it every single fucking game. <laughs> that was High V fame. Yeah, no, they would mention that he used to be a bag boy at High V when he played college football. Mm. In 2002, rising from obscurity from the University of Central Florida, the cover of Madden 2002 was none other than Vikings quarterback Dante Culpepper, who was named the starter for the 2000 season, which saw the Vikes go 11-5. and This was mostly behind Dante Culpepper's 4,000 yards passing and 500 yards rushing leading to a conference championship loss in 2001 to who was it the new york football giants yep and it was a destruct just a blowout loss 41 to nothing uh actually 
the Giants would then lose to the Ravens in that year's Super Bowl. But there was also a huge controversy that the uh, the Giants were cheating and listening into the Vikings play calling. Really? I had never heard that before. But I do know Vikings are in very dire times this year, okay? And where there's a lot of talk about let's get a different quarterback. And when you listen to a lot of the local uh, podcasts or shows, they basically say the last quarterback franchise quarterback that the Vikings had was Dante Culpepper yes the last really good quarterback he was I mean I remember back then he was like that kind of like that Kirby Puckett they talked about him for years after he was done playing type of quarterback he had like the body frame of uh Ben Roethlisberger but unfortunately I think you're gonna mention what happened to poor Dante here Dante Culpepper would enter the 2001 season after achieving the Madden cover with high hopes, though a knee injury would take him out of that season, and the resulting 2002 season would see his numbers fall drastically. Culpepper would have a resurgent year in 2004, but would eventually leave the Vikings in 2005, moving around the league until fully retiring after playing with the Sacramento Mountain Lions. Okay, is that an actual team or did you make that up? No, that is, it's like one of those minor league type teams, the Sacramento Mountain Lions. I don't even think they have Mountain Lions in fucking California, do they? Yeah, he was about to make a comeback, but then the team that he was trying out for dropped him. And they do have mountain lions in Northern California. The um, From what I've heard about Dante, I think both of his knees blew out. Like, it wasn't oh, just really? one. It was something like that. Like, he injured one, and then he injured the other one, and that's kind of what did him in. Yeah, his ground game, he was kind of like, he was actually really ahead of his time. Because he would fit in very well with the quarterbacks, Kyler Murray... Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, the kind of quarterbacks that we have now. Yeah, and I think Dante was there to enjoy the uh, Vikings love boat. Oh, the scandal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cocaine and strippers. I think he was there. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think, like we were talking about the Raiders, like the Dolphins back then. That would have been just a Tuesday for them. <laughs> I mean, right. really, if you think about it. Right. It was the first signs of like the internet age when they got caught for that. I'm going to say this to be fair. In 2001, it wouldn't have mattered if the Vikings made it to the Super Bowl. You're not beating the Ravens that year. That is the still, I think, the most legendary defense ever in NFL history. It was the 2001 Ravens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they the Giants definitely got beat by the way better team that year. So and now we have to look at fucking Trent Dilfer's dumb face all the time on ESPN. He sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's like uh he was that cover boy for Journeyman Quarterback magazine before Fitzgerald out in uh, Miami now. No, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Oh yeah, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yeah. Can't God, he sucks. his name. God, he sucks. That's how good the defense was. They dragged his shitty ass to a fucking <laughs> Super Bowl win. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So this was actually the first time that there was any real mention of a Madden curse. So, okay. So these these guys here kind of set the precedent for what we know now. Yeah. Well, it was all of these guys in a row really kind of, and what happened to them, people really started to see something that was really building up to, like, what's going on here? Like, all of these guys in a row are 
just basically taking a huge drop off or getting horrible injuries after their Madden cover year. Right, right. So these are going to come in, come in quick succession, but going throughout the years, here are some other notable Madden cover players that were cursed by the so-called Madden curse. In 2003, for the Rams, Marshall Falk. Now, he ended up getting knee surgery, and he suffered a general decline the year after. Hmm. He'd been playing a while, to be fair. Yeah, that is true. 2004, for the Falcons, Michael Vick fractured his right fibula the year after. And then he went off and killed a bunch of puppies for no fucking reason. Yeah, definitely the Michael Vick thing. I thought it was going to be the dogfighting situation, but the articles that I saw were talking about his fractured right fibula right after his cover came out. Mm. 2005 for the, like we mentioned before, the Baltimore Ravens, he had a bad season and also tore his right hamstring the season after that. Uh, I don't know what date it is, but he also killed two people. Yes, there's also that. <laughs> However, he was a famous football player. True, true. It's okay. You you get a couple freebies when you're when you're it's, famous. It's, it's completely normal to go home and burn your clothes uh, after you've had a long night at the club. Completely normal. Oh yeah, I do that every time. That's just to make sure I don't <laughs> wear the same clothes to the club twice. I just every time just burn them right in the yard. <laughs> Two thousand six, Donovan McNabb. Now, he actually, for the Eagles, he actually had a groin injury and a torn ACL and meniscus the very next season after he made the Madden cover. Another big-headed individual. Yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine if you're a pro football player having groin injury, which hampered you, then a torn ACL and meniscus at the same time. Yeah, he, he was done. And I don't know if this was before or after when they could actually fix those things. So I don't, 2006 is a little early. Yeah. 2007, Sean Alexander, broken foot, fractured wrist, sprained knee, and a sprained ankle in the very next season. He's of Seahawk fame, right? Yes, he is on the Seahawks. This is the guy I remember we were talking when you're visiting here. I thought this is who you were talking about was from Iowa. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, and then, then he's, uh, there's a big thing right now. They think he's a big uh, Hall of Fame snub. Oh, okay. That yeah, that, uh, the guy from Iowa was actually uh, Sean Green. Yeah, I, I didn't know why he got that mixed up. <laughs> yeah, he did not exactly make a Madden cover during his NFL career with the Jets. So the very next year, 2008, Vince Young and... Louis Castillo, who actually, for the Spanish versions of the game, Louis Castillo was on the cover. Now, Vince Young injured his quad, and Louis Castillo actually suffered a knee injury in the next season. So both of them had injuries that hampered them. Vince Young obviously went from NCAA football champion. like He won the championship, and then he basically had that injury, and then you didn't hear anything else from him when he played for the Titans. Well, to be fair, him or the uh, USC guy weren't really that good. Oh, was that uh, Lionheart? Lionheart, yeah. Wait, yeah. so were these guys on the cover together, or they were separate? Like they were separate, right? No, they were separate. So. Okay. Uh, basically, like English speaking or like United States, like those countries would see Vince Young. The Spanish speaking countries would see Louis Castillo. 
That's cool. What team did uh, Lewis play for? Do you know? I don't exactly know that one. I, I'd never heard of him. I mm. just heard of Vince Young. Okay. All right. So actually, LaDainian Tomlinson was first approached to be the cover player that year. However, a petition from the San Diego Chargers fans, uh, this was basically because of fears from the curse, actually started a petition to stop him from taking the position as the cover player. And they actually did get him to not be on the cover. The NFL and Madden basically said it was because of contract negotiations and problem with using his likeness. But he did, however, have a great career. Yeah, he's a fucking man. He is a monster. Um, He I wonder if that was the year he broke the touchdown record. I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that he was never really in his career. He was never hampered by any real injury. Like he just kept playing. I I was playing fantasy football at this time Hmm. and anyone who had him was just fucking killing it. That was back before PPR became big. I would recommend anybody who has access to, I think it's football network and you like the football life show or documentaries about players or coaches, whatever watch Ladanians. It is one of the best ones. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Is, what what uh what network is that on? What station? Uh NFL Network. It's their oh, NFL sh- Network. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's their show. Yeah, he he tracks down like his lineage and stuff and finds cuz he he's a descendant of slaves and everything okay. and he finds out all of that and it's uh pretty neat. That'd be pretty interesting. I uh well, when I lived in the fraternity, we used to have NFL Network and we'd watch a shit ton of those shows. They're good. That's good. His yeah. is really good. So 2009, Brett Favre of uh, the Green Bay Packers fame. Actually, so they put him on the cover after his retirement, but he came directly out of retirement after that to play for the Jets. And then he went to go play for the Vikings. And I'm pretty sure you remember the Vikings games against the Saints. Yep. Uh, That was the worst part of the curse for him. Uh, he was actually a victim of what's known as the bounty scandal by the Saints. And if you watch that game, you know it was by the refs, too. Right, right. Yeah, they, I, that was a dire, that was a dire time in Minnesota right there. That was, that a was brutal... actually, I was still living in, I actually almost became a Minnesota Vikings fan that year, just from how good the Vikings, I was living in St. Paul with you at the time. Yep. I... And I remember everyone vikings fever all over the city it was fucking insane and then that game happened just before i went to the air force everyone took down their viking shit it was so bad it's uh it's never been the same here again yeah definitely if you watch that game the refs must have been paid because there were times when brett Favre would throw the ball see the defender coming like cringe and then just get waylaid just get like tackled two seconds after he threw the pass and the refs wouldn't throw shit. Yeah, that that was the uh, the bounty gate thing was one Saints player tackles low and the other one tackles high. That was their yeah. game plan to take him out. Yeah, take out the old man. So and then they, they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, they, they injured uh, Kurt Warner that year too. Yeah. 2010, there was actually two players on the cover, Larry Fitzgerald and Tropa. Larry Fitzgerald and Troy Palomalu. Larry Fitzgerald actually really was the first one to escape the curse, but Troy Palomalu did not. He actually suffered many injuries that next year. 
Well, let's let's be fair. Troy liked to turn himself into a human meat missile and just yeah. fucking hit. He didn't tackle people; he just hit him with his head. Yeah, if you're not a if if you're a younger person or not a American football fan living outside the country, and you never saw Troy Polamalu play. His game plan was to be right up on the line. And then as soon as the ball left the fingertips of the center, he would basically jump across the line and just disrupt everything. Yeah. It was the most amazing thing. He, he, he was good. He was crazy. Yeah, he must have did so much homework to get those snap counts down. But it was insane. 2011, uh, we just previously mentioned the Saints. Drew Brees, he pretty much generally escaped the curse even though after the year of his cover, he would have one of the worst seasons he's ever played for the Saints. Mm-hmm. This is when they caught on to the bounty scandal and they suspended the coach and everything. Yes. Yep. I do remember that. When they figured out from the what we were talking about with Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings, when they yep. found all that out. Mm-hmm. 2012, Peyton Hillis who played for the Browns. Actually, his big curse was injuries and contract issues, which actually led him to not be re-signed by the Browns the next season. Though not playing for the Browns kind of avoids that curse. So, <laughs> You know what I about him? He's like the one outlier that was like, I don't know, one and done good player, and they put him on there. I that's the one that stands out. It's just like, why, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, even at the time when they put him on the cover, people were wondering why this guy was going on the cover. I think now he is a obese man who plays um, arena football. I mean, just looking at like the names that we've mentioned so far, Drew Brees, Larry Fitzgerald, Troy Polamalu, Brett Favre, LaDainian Tomlinson. You're talking about cream of the crop players. Vince Young would have been great, you know? Playing yeah. for maybe another team, possibly. Mm-hmm. Dominic McNabb, Ray Lewis, Michael Vick, Marshall Falk. Then you've got Peyton Hillis, who <laughs> doesn't show up on anybody's fucking list for anything <laughs> besides bus, you know? Right. 2013, Detroit Lions, obviously Megatron, Calvin Johnson. He actually did escape the curse. He had a, one of his greatest seasons right after the cover, putting up 1,964 receiving yards. Megatron actually, he retired before he was past his prime. He kind of just walked away, which is yeah. very respectable. Well, he he's the, I remember this time because people considered him to be the first one to ever escape it. Yeah, like he escaped it as well as you can. I mean, yeah. I mean, he retired early, but he did what Barry Sanders did. The fucking lines were shit. And he's like, I'm, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. Well, Larry Fitzgerald uh, from 2010, he also escaped it and he went on to have a legendary career. Larry Fitzgerald isn't your huge numbers guy. He's the guy who every team wants a Larry Fitzgerald, though. He's just such a great teammate to have and a great wide receiver. Yeah, but Troy didn't escape it. So we can you can kind of go either way on that one. The curse passed on to him that year, I suppose. 2014. One of your uh, favorite players, Adrian Peterson, yeah, actually had nagging foot injuries hampered him during the first half of his next season. That season, the Vikings would only go five, ten, and one. Yep, that uh, he was never really the same after that. No, well, it was the foot injuries right at the beginning of the season that pretty much killed the rest of that season for the Vikings. I believe he only played fourteen games. 
2015, Richard Sherman. He also pretty much escaped the curse without any real trouble. I mean, he did actually avoid Tommy John's surgery, opting to heal naturally. He is even still putting the fear of God into receivers to this day. Not playing with the Seahawks, obviously. Okay, let's be fair. Once he left Seattle, and I think it was around this time, he was kind of dog shit for a few years. Yeah, I mean, I think he started playing for San Francisco a couple years ago. He's coming back into form now, though. He he played for them. Man, he's played for them for like three or four years now, but he is currently out. He is currently injured and not playing for the rest of the season. He's out? Oh, Oh, shit. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that sucks because I just picked up fucking 49ers defense this week. <laughs> well, the Steel- I had the Steelers defense, but they're obviously not going to play with, you know, Tennessee. So. Right. 2016, Odell Beckham Jr. had a great season after achieving the cover, though now he plays for the Browns, which is its own curse, like I mentioned before. And uh, his career's kind of gone sideways a little bit off the field kind of stuff. So, yeah, there he his careers went way downhill since that time. Yeah, since his uh, New York Giants days, when he was number one receiver in the league uh, compared to now. Right. 2017, Gronk, he actually uh, suffered a hamstring industry, and it forced Rob Gronkowski to watch the Patriots win the Super Bowl from the sidelines that year, Mm. which is fucking terrible for, you know, best tight end in the whole fucking league. Yeah, yep. 2018, Tom Brady actually did avoid the Madden curse and really nowadays everyone knows he moved out of uh, the shadow of his former coach. He now plays for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Yep. Out of the bill Belichick system, which hopefully he starts getting better. I mean, you know, he deserves to have his own fucking deal, but I don't know if they're going to win the fucking super bowl. It'd be pretty rad if they did. Yeah. I mean, Him and Gronk back. He needs to start getting Gronkowski back in the fucking, you know, the action. But yeah, 2019, this is Antonio Brown. Uh, He actually had a great next season. He's one of those players, though. The curse might have affected him mentally. He really seems to have gone off the rails recently. Uh, He's actually looking for a new team to play on. And as of this recording, he is still unsigned. Uh, Yes, he... I. I don't know if they charge him or not, but we're pretty sure he's a rapist. Yeah, he is. He got picked up by the, who did he? He was playing last year. He was playing for the Raiders. They dropped him. New England picked him up for about eight and a half minutes. And then they dropped him once the charges came down. And he hasn't played for anyone since, I don't think. Well, I I can clearly remember because uh, I watch Hard Knocks every year. And last year they were covering the Raiders at the time and they had just acquired him and I remember at that time watching it I'm like this guy just seems like he's on drugs or something he just seemed insane he made it a few games oh yeah that was the big thing he was complaining about his helmet because they were switching to a new helmet to help stop concussions he didn't like that it was this big deal he wouldn't play he burnt his feet in a fucking whatever the ice chamber. chamber yeah because he refused to wear Crocs. And then he went insane. And uh, I remember there's a big thing. So someone had made an Instagram post. And one of the comments said, I hope whatever their GM's name is, 
gets fucked in the ass. That's was the <laughs> the tro- that was the troll's little post, right? And Antonio Brown went out of his way to like it, <laughs> and then they cut him, and then went to the Patriots. Then all the rape charges started coming out. Now this he probably won't ever play football again. Hopefully not. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's uh, a he's a piece some, of shit. Some team would have to need him beyond belief to pick him up. They would also have to be one of the crazier, not very well run teams to actually pick him up after all of that shit, especially with all of the rape accusations and the sexual assaults. And Ugh, he's uh, he's ugh. I hope we never see him again. I could see maybe. Maybe the Browns picking them up, but just yeah. because of how fucking disorganized they are. Maybe. So that actually brings us to the one of the last ones, actually, considering there's a new uh, man coming out. 2020, Patrick Mahomes, uh, he actually did suffer a knee injury very early on in the season. However, he did make a comeback and even won last year's Super Bowl, which some people are even saying may have broken the Madden curse for good. Hopefully uh, we won't really know until the next year's Madden cover Madden 21 star Lamar Jackson uh, gets a whole season behind him. So we'll have to see. Well, I, we can give a slight update. Uh, The chiefs, ironically, the chiefs and Ravens played each other last week. Lamar did not look very good. Okay. And he, he runs a lot. So his chance of injury, I would say is fairly high. So, the, we'll the, see. the Dante Culpepper thing. Yeah, where he, he puts himself out there. Yeah, so I, I I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I don't know. I what do you think? Do you think the curse is real? Do you think it's something that gets in the head? Do you think it's just a series of coincidences? What are we talking about here? I mean, really, the average NFL career is only I think it's only two or three years. And that's adding in people who don't make it out of training camp. And the Brett Favre's and the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's. So the average NFL career, maybe three, maybe four seasons. Really, what you're seeing is these guys who peak, and that's the year they get the Madden cover, is when they peak. There's going to be a drop-off. So all of the guys who weren't really hurt, they just had a drop-off. I can see those are, oh, that's just a normal drop-off. You know, of course... You know, they, they've been in the league for eight years. They had their peak and now they're dropping off just like any normal human being would. The people who had horrible season ending, the ACL tears, the meniscus tears, the broken bones, the bones dying in their feet, you know, uh, those people, I can see a curse there because there's so many of them and they're happening right away, like the next season. So I would say I don't really believe in curses, but if I had to believe in one, this might be one of them. Yeah, it's. Think about it, 2001 all the way up to what I guess they kind of qualify Larry Fitzgerald or Calvin Johnson 2013. That's a lot of years and it still kind of uh, still kind of keeps going. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he got a, a knee injury. He recovered from it pretty quick and they made it to and won the Super Bowl. Right. So it's not like he had a season ending knee injury or a career shortening injury. Like I remember at the time when, when it happened, people were like, man, curse, man, curse all over the place. And then it was like, okay, he'll be back in two weeks. You right. Know, it wasn't as bad as they thought it might be. So luckily for, you know, I mean, I, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, um, 
Kyler Murray, obviously my fucking Cardinals. I mean, it's so exciting to watch like their style of quarterback play. I mean, I hope that they're like the old style of like Dante Culpepper, Michael Vick types. So I hope that they can keep it up, you know, keep playing because it is great to watch that, you know, brand of football. Yeah, I can say it definitely is when you got a fucking tree trunk named Kirk Cousins on your team who sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's not very fun. He, This man, I swear I could run faster than him. I probably couldn't, but it appears like I could. You know, <laughs> you know what's funny? When we I first started looking at the notes and I saw John Madden's name, I thought you were going to go into why John Madden's so terrified of flying in a plane. But Actually, that me. is... That is part of why they did the the meeting about the video game was on a train from Denver to Oakland. I didn't really mention it at all, but he is terrified of flying. And he has basically, he rode the trains, the Amtrak, up until Greyhound sponsored a bus for him. Yeah, I, I remember that. We don't really know why he's terrified of flying, right? I have no idea. Maybe because it's better food is on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be the most likely uh, reason for that. But uh, anyway, Phil, we've been going for a while here. So where can people contact us about their feelings on the Madden curse? Well, you know, it's fucking, it's growing and growing, but we've got our website, uh, Weirdos United Network. You can find us at www.subliminaldeception.com. And it'll take you right to the website. On there, you can go into the little contact. It'll open up a box and type in your name, type in your question, and it'll get straight to us. Uh, if you want to do it old-fashioned way, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that one still works too. It gets us the same way. We're also on Instagram on Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. It's actually the best way to get a hold of us. Really on that every single day. I'm on it. During all of my breaks, I've been actually getting talked to from a, like messages from a lot of people. So thank you for all of those. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagrams. Mine's sdpodphil. I check it a little bit more often, not as much as I used to, hopefully more in the future. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zabub. Uh, the other thing we need you guys to do, if you would like to support the show, which we greatly appreciate, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash subliminal deception or there's a link on the website as well subliminaldeception.com the other thing that we really appreciate is if you are a itunes listener log on to your itunes leave the show a five-star review preferably written doesn't really matter what you say type i love john madden's big ass head doesn't really matter if you're a spotify user just hit the follow button and you'll always be updated when we drop the newest episode otherwise uh, Phil, you did a tremendous job. I think I think a lot of people are aware of the Madden curse, but don't really know how, There's a, how extensive it yeah, is. Yeah, it's very extensive. That's the best way you could put it. Uh, otherwise, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. 